at the very, very least. It doesn't get in the way. I know this isn't strictly in the rules. Classic feminism is a bit, whoa, about all of the above. A bit, bleh, and nah, and tut, and seriously, about looks-oriented thinking. About the fringe, and the lips, and the belts, and the socks. Socks! and the weight and the product and the strategic framing of the cleavage for ultimate impact, which I may not have mentioned up until this very moment, but which does, without question, feature in the many ways I think about how I look. Classic feminism is, broadly speaking, rather more throw aside the tyranny of all that crap, grow defiantly fatter and greyer and wrinklier and hairier, and run wild and fierce and free, deliciously unhampered by high heels and tight frocks and fashion trends and restrictive dietary requirements and all that other useless progress-denying baggage, than me. Classic feminism has its reasons. It takes its cue from second-wave feminism, a movement born in the 1960s designed to take gender equality on from the hard-won business of women's votes towards more complex, nuanced debates about purpose, roles and sex. And it was brilliant. A heady whirl of rage and hope, light and defiance, to which I owe everything. Everything I think, do, say and feel, every experience I have of being alive and female in the 21st century is better because of those feminists. In some cases, is just bloody bearable because of them. I work, write, screw and swear because they made damn sure I could, and with impunity. To say I am grateful for that is a bit like saying it's ever so nice there's breathable oxygen on the earth, don't you think? Those feminists railed against the idea that women should bother with their looks. Those feminists considered it an ultimate imposition, absolutely, intrinsically, part and parcel of the whole fucking problem, because a woman who concerned herself with being pretty was a woman who aspired to please men rather than herself. She was a woman who thought the full extent of her worth was intertwined with her capacity to physically beguile men, who believed its full potential was ultimately tested by whether she could get one to marry her, land an actual real-life husband to validate her emotionally and support her financially, because she wasn't so good at doing those things on her own. That was the dawning of modern feminism's beef with looks. And I get it. I really do. More recent incarnations of feminism rage against the modern idea that girls and women must conform to a series of impossibly demanding, increasingly prevalent ideas on physical perfection before they can consider even leaving the house. The endless, non-stop objectification of the ladies, which diminishes us and disorientates us and even puts us in danger... I get that too, but, but, I think there's another way to look at it, to look at looks, our own and those of others, to re-evaluate what they could mean to women in general and feminism in particular, because I really am one big, fat, by which I mean skinny, raging and rampant, looks-obsessed feminist. How did I get here? 
As a somewhat self-serving full-time inhabitant of a female body type, I was born keen that my basic rights to live and thrive and get paid for work and not be raped should equal those of anyone sharing the planet with me, regardless of whether or not they're in possession of a penis. I grew up in Devon in the 70s and 80s, in an environment you'd probably describe as provincial and the teeniest bit insular and certainly not as a hotbed of feminist activity. It wasn't a hotbed of anything much, unless you count autoerotic asphyxiation, which was all the rage down that way in those days. Or so I was always told. Still, I certainly had feminist instincts and inclinations from very early on. Big ones. I was influenced by a mother who wasn't wild about housework of any description, though I suspect that was a consequence of a fundamental lack of interest rather than burning political...